Well, hey there, and welcome to Live It Out, a podcast here at Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky, about faith and the 21st century. What does it mean to live as followers of Christ in a post-Christian society today? Each week, we're going to have the amazing opportunity to talk with people across the globe who are committed to walking through this life with Jesus and hear their thoughts and experiences of the Christian life in an ever-changing and hurting world. We hope that this encourages you and helps you in any way. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Welcome to Live It Out, and thanks for joining us today. I'm James Williams, lead pastor of Centenary Church, and I want to urge you not to miss an episode in the coming days. Each week, you'll hear from some amazing leaders in Christian community. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast today, and we'll remind you of upcoming programs. I'm so honored today to have as our guest, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. He is a former emergency room physician and chief of the hospital medical staff. He resigned from that position to teach, preach, and write about faith and health. It's an amazing story. And Dr. Sleeth has spoken at more than 1,000 churches, campuses, different events, including serving as a monthly guest preacher at the Washington National Cathedral. He was recognized by Newsweek as one of the nation's most influential Christian leaders. And Dr. Sleeth is the executive director of Blessed Earth and the author of numerous numerous articles, books, uh, Reforcing Faith, 24-6 are two of those, and his newest book, Hope Always, which is a biblical approach and a scientifically grounded book that takes a holistic view of suicide. Dr. Sleeth, I am excited to have you with us today. Welcome to Live It Out. Great to be with you. Well, this book, I, I, I want to get right into this because I've been a pastor for 30 years, Matthew, and I have had absolutely no training, not in seminary. I've never read a book on suicide. Not the I've heard the preventive kinds of measures you can take. I've heard some of the signs that may be there when someone is contemplating taking their own life. But I really have no real training in that. And as a pastor, that scares me a little bit. So I was excited to get my hands on a book like yours. Have you found that with other pastors? That's pretty much the case with uh, pastors. Maybe they had one lecture at the most uh that I think they'd be far more comfortable helping you uh, uh, decipher Greek <laughs> than, <laughs> than work through this. And yet it's the church and it's Christian theology that really uh, is what is needed in our society right now, affirming uh, the, the sanctity of life. And, and so uh, part of my hope for that book, for Hope Always, was that pastors in particular would see it as a resource uh, to bring themselves up to speed so they can speak into this uh, issue that's going on now. Absolutely. And I know in your research, you're finding this. I've always known that there are some scientific approaches to suicide prevention, and we know the statistics. We can kind of pinpoint the demographics as we look at who's susceptible to this. But you're finding that there is a faith-based approach to this that we've missed but is absolutely helpful, just like our scientific approaches, right? A absolutely. Uh, from a Christian worldview, humans are, first of all, created, not 
accidents. They're created uh, in their the image of their maker, and they're a combination of mind, body, and soul. And up until about uh, 50 years ago, that's even how it was approached in medicine. Uh, but over the last couple of decades in particular, we have subtracted the soul from the equation, and it's not going well. Um, there was just an article in Christianity Today, uh, for those who are interested, uh, published by two Harvard uh, professors, basically saying that this is a public health crisis that we're seeing because we've subtracted God from the equation and, and talking about this. Absolutely. And what I'm seeing in, in my ministry, and I think you probably have been seeing this as well, that uh, in the past three years, maybe even longer, but I've really been focused in the past three to four years on this, we're seeing more and more young people, teens, even children struggle with anxiety to the point that they are contemplating or even attempting or even completing suicide. Yeah, absolutely. The demographics have changed. Uh, Still, the most common group are older white men. (laughs) What are Uh, those demographics? uh, They're about, um, well, women uh, versus uh, males versus females. Uh, Females are about... uh, four times as likely to try to commit suicide, and men are about twice as likely to succeed. The reason being is that men often reach for more deadly means, uh, firearms, uh, for instance. But the demo- and, and, and the most common group would be white males uh, in their 60s and 70s. Uh, but that's changed very rapidly. Now, uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death between uh, 10 to 35-year-olds. And if you pull particular groups out, like 13-year-olds, it's a number one cause of death. And that just wasn't the case when I was uh, that age. And so we've really seen that change. And I think um, in particular that COVID has really accelerated this. It's it's hard for me as a, somebody in their 60s to get my head around how difficult it must have been for young folks over the last uh, couple of years. Yes, and Hope Always is Dr. Slee's latest book. You can find that book in many different places. Amazon would be a great go-to, but it's in your local bookstores as well, and I'd encourage you to pick that up as quickly as possible. This is an alarming statistic that we're seeing increase, and uh, I'm just so thankful that this work is out there because – um, as you have said, I've heard you say in the past that there are many books on post-suicide available, but not a lot out there with the what? Prevention. Yeah. Prevention. Yeah. yeah. Say yeah. more about that. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, and with uh, suicide in particular, and in particular with younger folks, there are studies that have shown that the uh, time between first thinking of suicide and and then doing that for a lot of teenagers is is 30 minutes or less. What that means is we've got to get there ahead of time and begin the conversation about how important life is. Uh, and we can't wait until after the fact. It's just <clears throat> it's too late by definition. In our own city here and in Lexington, Kentucky, and I know you have listeners from elsewhere, but in Lexington, we had a three-month period where, ha- where we had a 10 11, 12, 13, and 14-year-old all 
uh, kill themselves. So this is something that we can't wait to talk about. Parents have to uh, begin to educate themselves and to uh, talk about it before it it comes up. And and you, as you say in the book, as individuals, we really need to take this and educate ourselves and be that help to people in our lives. What are some What are some signs? You know, there are all kinds of signs. I think some of them are mythical even, as, as I've read about this over the years. We think some of the signs are, are very clear, but almost always in suicide, there are some, some signs that we just would be very easy to miss, right? Yeah, there's <laughs> uh, things like, I, I think particularly for children uh, saying, uh, you know, I, I don't want to live anymore, obviously, or I'm sick of life, or um, uh, people uh, in particular, red flags are sort of the saying goodbye things, or giving treasured possessions away, uh, uh, quote, getting your affairs in order when when death is not imminent it is always a, a big red flag. And I think depression, the signs of depression, uh, which are, um, you know, an affect that's, uh, that's down. Uh, people can either gain or lose weight. They have trouble sleeping. Um, some folks, uh, it, mad equals sad. And you may find you're just somebody's arguing all the time that was never doing that before. So in the book, by the way, there's kind of a primer on uh, mental disease and those signs to look for and, and what to do when you see them. And I'm also really impressed with the appendix of this book. Now, I think a lot of people are like me. They never look at the appendix. <laughs> they read the book and never never really go through that that ending. But you really have created some amazing resources and lists for people who are dealing with this and who are trying to help individuals dealing with this. It includes biblical passages, books to read, movies to watch, music to listen to. Can you say more about that? Well, first of all, I have to say that it's my better three quarters, my wife, whose idea it was to have all that practical stuff. And yeah. she really put a lot of that together and, and had me put a lot of it together. I'm kind of up in the air theory, uh, and she's uh, rubber meets the road, you know. So first of all, we owe it to her yeah. that it's that it's there. And the good news is that even if you, you don't have the book, that appendix and the resource kit is available to people for free if they go on our website, blessedearth.org, okay. uh, or com. They can download that uh, part for free. And and I don't know, um, am I allowed to ask on uh, on air here, as it were, when this is coming out? It will be in a couple of weeks. couple of weeks. Yeah, well, yeah. right. Unfortunately, uh, right now, I'm not sure that it'll exist, but uh, Amazon has the Kindle version on sale for just a few few dollars. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, I make this offer that if anyone needs this book and doesn't have the money, they just get in touch with me and I'll send them one. With blessedearth.org. Correct. Think. Correct. All right. Absolutely. But the toolkit they can get right now, just download it off our website and go through that. And that is free. Mm -hmm. Well, Matthew, I, I have been thinking about our time together today, and I've now read the book a couple of times, and I've given several of them away. And um, I believe that it's one of the most important books that I have had a chance to read in several years. And I've done a lot of reading over the pandemic. Um, and, and 
as I think about how suicide has plagued us as a secular society for many years, you would think that it's really not that big of an issue for Christians and Christian community or Christ followers. And that's just really not the case, is it? It's This is a taboo subject. Uh, and in particularly, it's a, a little baffling to, to me for Christians in particular, because a committed Christian is four to six times less likely to commit suicide than an atheist. Doesn't mean they it, it, you're invulnerable or anything. But we know from research for 150 years, as uh, Durkheim, uh, a French uh, sociologist, about 150 years ago, did the first scientific research on this and found that statistic, and it's been borne out. And so we know we have the answers, and yet we're not talking about it at all right now. And my prayer for this is that the church would get out in front of this issue rather than being reactionary. We have the answers. Uh, We live in a society now that's very pluralistic. It's very fragmented. And uh, there's a lot of people that would say, uh, well, your truth is your truth, but my truth is is my truth. Um, and nonetheless, the truth is that a belief in God um, is protective when it when it comes to this. And and one of the things that the book really does is goes and I went and I talked to people who'd made it through these dark times, everything from teenagers to the oldest person was 93. Um, And I wanted to know what were those things that got them through? The number one thing that people said that prevented them from committing suicide uh, was fear of the consequences. Now, if you don't think anything exists after this life, there aren't any consequences. Um, I believe that there is. I believe that Christ died and came back to prove that, that point. Uh, and, um, and, and so part of it is, is really following through on what that Christian uh, philosophy and theology is, that there, this is the beginning it's not the whole picture, um, and that we are waging a battle uh, on not only uh, uh, physical and mental, but on the spiritual level, which the, the Bible says. And in the Bible, we look on the first page, and we see uh, Adam and Eve being told not, not to do this one thing or it would kill them, and Satan saying, go ahead and do it. And so I say to people, if if they ever are contemplating that the people would be better off without them uh, and that they should kill themselves, they have to understand that is the voice and the calling card of Satan. You don't want to go in that direction. Not, nothing good happens there. That's right. And and we as Christians do believe that there is a good realm and an evil realm, and they are constantly at battle with one another. And I was fascinated by some things that you point out in your work that we do see at the very beginning in creation, the enemy tries to use suicide um, to to complete the work that he started in the Garden of Eden. And then throughout Scripture, we see it time and time again, even when Satan is with Jesus at the pinnacle. I'd never thought of that yeah, before. Absolutely. His, Can you his, say more? Uh, yeah, absolutely. His... Uh, uh, Offer to Jesus is jump and see if see if it won't be okay and uh, and that's that's what he's urging all of us to do is is to to jump into the abyss and and he assures us that'll be okay but we we know that that's not true when you when you 
come at this from the backside, if you will. Um, even when Jesus uh, ministers to the demoniac at Gerasenes, uh, this is a man who is described as as naked, um, unkempt, uh, uh breaking restraints that he's put into and possessed by a legion of demons. And, you know, I think there's a lot of modernists that would say, what a, what a nonsensical thing. Um, and yet I would uh, imagine that about, about half of the suicide notes say, I can no longer deal with the demons that are haunting me. So um, it's real. And Jesus throws those demons out into a herd of swine, and they do the one thing that animals never do, and that's go and kill themselves. And so as this really plays out, what we're seeing is in society right now playing out um, what happens when we let go of God completely. And it's, it's not going to go well. That's right. And, and I want to ask you a real practical question. It may not uh, be easy to answer, but I know you have put some thought into this. Do you think that, especially in Western society, that that our emphasis on materialism and status and power and you know, uh, just all of those things combined and get kind of put into a ball of unhealthy living. Do you think those things have contributed to folks' hopelessness? Absolutely. And I think it comes down to what, in some ways, do we define as a successful life? And there's even bumper stickers that say, you know, the person who dies with the most toys wins. Well, that's a very worldly, earthy um, uh, thing. I just met with a pastor friend for lunch a couple days ago, and he's already preparing a Christmas sermon, and uh, he was going to come at the angle of a, a little event, which is Jesus being taken to the temple. It's recorded in Luke, and he's going to, uh, Anna the prophetess and Simeon, who who works there, are both going to identify uh, the baby Jesus as as the Christ and everything. Now, both of these folks were, were quite old, um, and uh, Anna, the prophetess, was probably poverty-stricken and everything, and yet here they are uh, literally getting to see the beginning of this story. And my friend said, Matthew, give me something weird here. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I, I, I get known for, is digging weird things out of the Bible. And I thought, you know, as I thought about it, I thought it's interesting that Anna, the prophetess, this poor person greets Christ, and in, in kingdom terms, in, in terms of heaven, she's wealthy beyond belief. That's the first, pers- first woman that sees Christ in the temple. And the last is someone Jesus sees, and that's the widow who puts her two might in. And again, we would say she's poor and unsuccessful, not in kingdom terms. So I think you're really getting at what defines success? Worldly terms, it's money and power and fame. Well, those things are hard to come by. And frankly, the number of people that commit suicide once they have all those things is extraordinary, the number. When we set our eyes on God, it's a different measure of what success is, of what a meaningful life is. Yes. And, and the book, again, is Hope Always. 
It's available on Amazon, other places online, and many bookstores. I would encourage you to get that. Also, there are some free materials available that come out of the book at blessedorg, uh, blessedearth.org. So I'd encourage you to also take a look at that. This book is full of stories of patience um, and really timeless truths of Scripture. Matthew has um, had many, many uh, wonderful opportunities to be in ministry, but medicine and to be a healer in all of these situations in these patients' lives. And uh, he is able through this book to use all of that to equip us to ask questions, to seek help, to really advocate for life. And I'm just so excited about that, Matthew. What are, if you, if you could just give us one thing that you want us to take away from that work that you've done, what would it be? Uh, that that Christians need to speak up here. Uh, I think we've gotten so cowed and so fearful that we're going to say something wrong. Um, the 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 gospel is life, <laughs> and and it, and it's life abundant. And uh, we are seeing in society what happens without the gospel. People are not going to get it from the government. They're not going to get it from science. They're not going to get it from educate, uh, you know, higher education. They've got to get it from Christians. We've got the good news, and we need to be bold in and loving in uh, putting that forth. That's a good word. That's the word. Well, Matthew Sleep, it is an honor to be with you today on Live It Out. Thank you for being with us, and God bless you in your continued work. Thank you so much. God bless you. And thanks again for listening today. God bless you. Keep praying and keep the faith. Live It Out, Faith and the 21st Century is a production of Centenary Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Join Lead Pastor James Williams each week as we engage Christian leaders around the world. Be sure to subscribe today and leave a review of our podcast. To connect with us further, visit our website at lexchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to joining you next week. Until then, love one another and live it out.